Hello and welcome to Map Bites, episode 80. I'm Elaine Giles and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Thomas. In this episode, out with the old, in with the new, and some amazing news for all you lovely Mac biters. But first, as I was saying, out with the old and in with the new. I'm excited. Why? There's a new update to iOS. And that went so well last time, didn't it? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Nothing ventured, nothing broken. What? The actual? Sorry, is that you? I am getting to the point that even I don't know the answer to that question. What have you two complete idiots done to me now? I demand to be restored to my former glory, immediately. Now. Yes now. Right now. Hmm. Yes, that could have gone better, couldn't it? So the excitement about iOS 7.1 finally being released was um somewhat short-lived at MacBytes headquarters, I'd say. Well, I didn't even get that far. I didn't install it. Still haven't. I'm sensing other priorities at play. Yeah, two reasons. One is, apparently, it didn't work with the Sky Sports app. and that. But mainly, couldn't be bothered. No, not couldn't be bothered. <laughs> well, yeah, that and all. Um, no, mainly somebody, well, yeah, somebody said that it caused a problem with connecting to my cloud-based mailbox at work. Although they did fix that the next day, so I haven't really got an excuse. You've still not done it, though? No. 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 I'll do it later. Naughty, naughty. Yes, we um, had to do something about that rather swiftish, didn't we? Did we? Oh, we yes. did. Descent in the ranks and all that. Anyway, anyway, we heard from lots of lovely MacBiters after our Christmas show. Oh, so, so many to name, but I think I've just about got everybody. There was Minster and Jane, Carrie, Grant, Barry, Larry, James... Oh, yes, Carrie Grant. That was rather good, wasn't it? <laughs> well placed there. Jenna, Kevin, um, and a lot of you, a whole horde of you, asked the same question. Or as they used to say on the radio, and anyone else who knows me. Knows you, yes, yes. <laughs> well, talk about eyes like a bat, the lot of you. Have we moved to Truro? No. There are some out there who didn't get down to the printed in Hong Kong and haven't got a clue what we're talking about. Uh, yes, have we moved to Truro? If you are subscribed to the newsletter and you have read the printed in Hong Kong at the bottom, you will know or you will think you know that we might have moved to Truro. But the short answer is no. It's an admin address that we use for business stuff and that includes the mailing list. So I can happily report we are still ensconced in the frozen north of the UK. We are about eight miles south of Manchester United, but probably <clears throat> you're going to cry about that. No. Lee said soon is mended about that at the moment. Uh, but more importantly, we're less than two miles from the nearest Apple store. If you ignore the ASBO, of course. Yeah, but more importantly, we're near Old Trafford. Well, not, not the way they're playing, but carry on. Um, yes, so we heard from you. We also heard from Alistair. Uh, he was replying to me, bemoaning the demise of the ability to copy a link to an app from the Mac App Store. And Alistair wrote and said the ability was still there. Good grief. You mean he was brave enough to correct you? Foolish. Very foolish. Knock it off, you two. Uh, it turns out we were both right. It's gone from the right click, which was the method I used all the time. But it is still there. It's in the piddly little drop-down tiny thing next to the buy button. A very dangerous location, I thought. One slip, bankruptcy. Yeah, it, well, it is the way you buy apps. 
True, I, I do that anyway. So thanks for pointing that out, Alistair. I, I don't know how long it would have taken me to find that because I only hover near there when I'm buying. But at least I can still copy the URL despite its ridiculous location. Why don't you take the right click away? What harm was it doing? If you didn't know it was there, you wouldn't have touched it. But I, I, shall, I shall, shall shut up about that one now. now. Now I can get back to it if I need to. Anyway, a quick catch up on Mike's continuing iPhone music woes. If you remember the last episode, um, after updating to iOS 7, that was an update I did do, um, the music and the audio books wouldn't sync to the iPhone. Hang on a minute, we've forgotten something. iPhone, iPhone. Should we try that again? Yes, I was waiting for you. <laughs> We're out of practice. One, on three. two, three. iPhone, iPhone, iPhone. iPhone, iPhone. iPhone. Right, where you go. Yeah, some apps wouldn't update. Um, They were left in an unusable state. So I backed the iPhone up and did a restore and no joy. And two days later, it just magically worked. No idea what actually fixed it, but it worked. Um, The... the, 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 Teeth. Teeth. The man bites teeth. It's yeah. been a while, but they're, they're in fighting form. <laughs> what I was going to say was that one of the symptoms was that um, during the backup and the, the sync process, I got this message that says waiting to copy or waiting for items to copy or something. And yes, it has been working. But what I've noticed is it's actually quite slow between it popping up that message that says waiting for items to copy and it actually starting to copy. Yesterday, I copied some music across to the phone and it must have been a good 30 seconds to a minute between it popping up that stage of the sync process, that message, and it actually starting to copy. And I thought it had broken again, but it hadn't. I don't actually sync much in the way of music or stuff like that anymore, to be honest. Uh, Why? I, ha- I have got a few songs oh, you've on got, there. you've um, got Spotify though, haven't you? I do have a few songs on there, but they're the same ones I've had on there for ages, so it never has to go through this. You've changed the music process. Yeah, but I get bored. Well, Goombay Dance Band, <laughs> obviously <laughs> you've worn it out. Um, no, I stream via Spotify and I listen to audiobooks streaming via Audible, so no, I don't tend to do that. But I do have lots of documents and stuff on there. And no, I didn't see that. But I saw the horrific problems you were having and I decided it was probably best to leave it alone anyway. Yes, I think you're right. You promised to talk about Tesco's and uh, we've heard from a lot of people who want to know about Tesco. So uh, take it away. That's very strange, isn't it? I knew it wasn't a good idea, but... This was going to Tesco's wasn't a good idea. That's never a good idea, actually. Uh, but I had to show willing, so I offered to take Mum Christmas shopping. That was never going to end well. It didn't. Well, it should have been a simple matter of dropping Mum at the bank and going round the block before returning to pick her up. Is it just round here that there is a distinct lack of parking? No, I think it's everywhere. Yeah, well, there is. So I dropped her off and round the block I went. Now, they've built in this hideous one-way system. They need me in charge of traffic, you know as well as everything else I do on a daily basis. Well, this new one-way system, so round the block is actually about half a mile. And I was going really well. It was all going well until I got to the last set of lights. I just made it, so I was just turning left. After I turned in, the traffic started to back up onto the main road. So I'm stuck on this road, very narrow, one way, and I'm just sat there. The lights were changing repeatedly, but there was just no movement at all. Now, I appreciate it's Christmas, but not like this. Um, There were taxis next to us trying to pull out into the queue of traffic. And 
she'd only gone in the bank. I said, I'll see you in five minutes. By this stage, it was about 20 minutes later and I hadn't moved. Tempers are starting to fray at this point. You know how it is when when something's gone on and you sit there for a bit, don't you, being very British. And then you decide what's going on and, and you turn the engine off and you turn the radio off and you wind the window down a bit and try and listen. And then if you're you, you probably get out, don't you? Do I? Yeah, I probably do. You, you would. You would. I, I'm doing, doing the stiff upper lip British thing, sitting there thinking, what on earth? And other expletives. And wound the window down, listening. People were getting out. They were trying to work out what was going on. So they were walking to the end of this road and looking right, which was where we all needed to be. Uh, but they came back more angry than when they left. So I thought something's definitely going on. And it wasn't that kind of, oh, dear, there's been an accident thing. It was real turning purple with fury. So I thought, I'm wondering if I really want to know about this. But I couldn't turn around. So I just had to sit there. Finally, we started moving a little, about one car's length every five minutes. Uh, In the meanwhile, I'm thinking, I wonder what mum's thinking. And I wonder where she is. I hope she's okay. (laughs) You'd never make a getaway driver, would you? Very true, not in that traffic. Um, Anyway, I eventually turned and discovered what the problem was. Now, how did this involve Tesco? There was a Tesco employee in the middle of the road stopping the traffic to let cars get into their car park. Now, you might think that sounds totally logical, but he was seemingly completely unaware he'd caused total gridlock backing right up on the main road all the way back to Manchester. It was complete insanity. People were swearing, cursing, getting out of cars, throwing punches. There were buses stuck. There were taxis trapped. Eventually, the police were called. (laughs) I'd only gone out just to the bank. I mentioned that for two minutes. Uh, The traffic was backed up for over a mile. I eventually escaped the melee. Uh, By this stage, it was hammering with rain as well, which didn't help. Uh, Mum had taken cover in the carport at the back of the bank. And um, I managed to pick her up and rescue her. But what kind of absolute idiot thought that was a good idea? Probably the one who was directing the traffic. No, I thought it would be the finance department. Give us your money. Mm. You know how I feel about Tesco's. So uh, for those asking what had happened at Christmas, it's taken me two months to get over it. And uh, I've not ventured back. I have no intention of venturing back, although I think I might have to show Willie again maybe next Christmas. What do you think? Yes. Unless I can get you to do it. No. Anyway, without further ado, on with the show. Uh, The old and the new. Apps we no longer use and what we've replaced them with. But first, what OS we're using and why. So you go first. What OS I'm using and why? Uh, Visto. No, Visto. (laughs) (laughs) Think of a Tesco. Vista, because I'm forced to. But soon to be moving up to Windows 7. Oh, oh, you're talking about Mac OS. I mean real computers. Right. Not those toy things. Okay, my Mike T20, Snow Leopard. Mike T13. That won't mean a thing to them. You mean the old 20-inch iMac from yes. 2006, don't you? Yeah, well, I'm coming on to this, yes. Mike T13 Lion. That's my white MacBook. And Mike T21 Mavericks. There's a great naming convention here, isn't It's there? fabulous, isn't yeah. it? It's Mike mm. T in a number, you see. Although I didn't want to do Mike T21.5, so I've just gone for Mike T21. Um, and... Um, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Come my, on, Spill. My T17, my um, 17-inch uh, oh, MacBook Pro. Unsurprisingly. MacBook Pro. Um, 
had mountain lion on it. And I said had mountain Well, it's still got mountain lion on it, hasn't it? Well, we believe so. It died, as if you hadn't guessed from my uh, little... Dun, 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 oh, don't do it again. Get on. Okay, let's go through Let's go through the story. Do we have to? Yeah. It was sad. My my 17-inch MacBook Pro died a few months ago. It was out of Apple Care. I've had it, what, four years or something? Yep, about that. This is the one that went missing, wasn't it? On its way. Yes. Oh, don't go there. DPD <laughs> are fabulous. They got yes. bought out after you had a crisis with them. <laughs> yes, as Carrie keeps reminding me, they stole my MacBook. They did. Um... Anyway, I've got an iMac, so it's not a crisis. And I finally got around to taking it to the Apple Store. Decided, um, you know, might as well at least get it looked at. Now, it actually took about two weeks to get an appointment at the Genius Bar at the Trafford Centre. Kept going onto the website and they actually had no slots at all for iMacs. Now, when you say two weeks, that was two weeks from you seriously trying to book, wasn't it? Yes. But I'd already been looking for about two to three weeks and I was horrified that there just were no appointments at all. So much so that that was why you rang them. Yeah, I actually rang them up to you know to ask, are you still doing uh, IMAX at the Genius Bar? And they said, oh yes, uh, we are. We'll we'll have more slots up next week. Well, ah, oh, next week. Yes, I think mm, I that think explains it must be, a lot, doesn't it? I think it, it must be a, a map base next week. Well, what I did was I was so horrified by how few appointments there were for Apple Care because it is a service that you've paid extra for. That's why you're taking it in, and I thought, well. Maybe they're just a busy store. So I started looking at Liverpool and the Arndale Centre in Manchester, and they had none either. There were plenty of appointments for iPhones, iPads, but and even MacBooks, but nothing for an iMac, literally nothing for weeks on end. And I'd been watching and I thought, OK, I'm going to spread this out further. So I started looking at Sheffield, Glasgow, um, ended up with this one in Stafford, is there a Birmingham? Birmingham? I started spreading out anyway. And no, there were no appointments countrywide for IMAX. Eventually, after I'd been looking for about three or four weeks and thinking, this is ridiculous, um, there was a slight discussion um i think it was one of the magazines and they'd noticed that they couldn't get an appointment either in any of the london stores so eventually you were very lucky because you did get one yeah i was looking one day at work on the website and i I, I spotted one so i thought i'd uh, book it quick because luckily that particular day i wasn't doing any training so i booked it off um and it was november the 11th it was which was um i was wondering whether they do them in its silence so, as I say, I took a day off work. We arrived at half past 10 for a, a 20 to 11 appointment. So we got to 20 to 11, we're still waiting. Got to 10 to 11, we're still waiting. Got to 11 o'clock, we're still waiting. And then, as you say, we actually did have a two-minute silence. And, uh, I, th- I thought they might. I thought it might be the Trafford Centre that organised it. But it was nice that they did. But wasn't it weird the way it, it, it went on? Um the whole centre, there there was an announcement saying that there would be a two-minute silence. But when you're at the back of the Apple store, you can't hear that. And nobody in the Apple store said a word. And I'm looking round, thinking it was quite busy, wasn't it? You know what the Genius Bar's like for being busy. And I thought we might be out by 11 o'clock. Did you? I for thought 22? there'd be a chance, yes. I thought we might be. Um, and I'm looking around and seeing these other folk who seemed completely oblivious to it all and I thought well I'm going to stand here on my own if I have to and and have a two minute silence but there was no announcement in the Apple store but about 30 seconds to go 
some of the staff came out from the back and people started to stand up. What was that idiot with the phone like? <laughs> I, I was so tempted to deck him. I was. He looked round and, you know, by then it was clear what it was. And he just started playing with his phone and looking completely disinterested. I thought that was disgusting. It was. Uh, but it wasn't that... I mean, certainly that didn't bring a smile to my face. But what did was complete silence. It was impeccably observed. And um, apart from one thing, and I don't mean the idiot with his phone, that was when we heard this. To use English for the main language, press the return key. Yes, it was a MacBook Pro that's, that they just reinstalled. And um, I like to think of it as paying tribute, don't you? Yes, MacBook but, Pro. But uh, yeah, Pro it was nice of them to do that, I thought. Nicely observed. And then we sat down and we carried on. You've we not did. mentioned who it was, though, have you? Which could have had something, because I nearly walked out. <laughs> I, I said you'd be better off left on your own. Yes, the um, there was only two um, iMac engineers in, and um, one of them, actually, I was going to... He clocked me from behind the genie bar. He says, Mike. I said, yeah. He said, uh, I'll be with you in a minute. Uh, but the other guy was the one who dealt with you. Oh, is that what you call it? Mm. I'm being um, politically, not politically correct. Um, I like the I nearly clocked him business when he clocked you. Yeah, I nearly clocked him as well. No, you nearly yes, decked it, him. it was the so-called genius, trade descriptions, uh, that looked after, or nearly, well, didn't look after my iMac uh, all those years ago. I couldn't believe he was still there. I thought he'd gone. But no, he was still there. So I said to Mike, you know, seriously, I should go because he's going to see my face and that's that. But, but you insisted I stay with you. <laughs> Uh, anyway. It didn't do you any good, though, did it? No. To cut a long story short, we finally got seen at about 20 past 11, and uh, it was a dead logic board. As I'd predicted. Yes. Yeah, most expensive repair. So, um, yeah, it's currently under my desk doing nothing. Well, still, you think about what still to do dead, with it. Still dead and still got um, mountain lion on it. So it was a sad end, wasn't it? Yes. The fact that we'd had to wait 40 minutes uh, past the appointment time, though, was disgusting. Wasn't and Mm? It wasn't good. Well, I'd also had two Genius Bar appointments um, in, in the, around that time for other pieces of kit, and I hadn't been seen on time either. Now, I always had before, or within five minutes, but uh, one appointment, he said, uh, we're running a bit late. Uh, yeah, you could say that, 50 minutes late. And the second one, I waited over two hours, which... I thought was completely disgusting. So what's going on with AppleCare and the Genius Bar, I really don't know. But it got to the point, at least at the Trafford Centre, I'm thinking it would probably be faster to send it back. It'd probably be back before, you know, through the post before they actually dealt with you. So uh, not good in the repair department. But, um, yeah, what we use and what we don't use now. Well, I was glad to say goodbye to the blurry icons. As we talked about in MacBite 71, they have gone with the Mavericks update. So Mavericks is um, what I've got on the machine, where the machine can take it. If I don't have Mavericks on it, I try and leave Snow Leopard on it. I think Snow Leopard was the pinnacle of iOS 10 at the moment, don't you? I do. I, I liked Snow yeah. Leopard. It just worked. There were far fewer problems. But um, my iMac has Mavericks on it. But sadly, it's poorly. But that's a whole different story. Um, I have another iMac in my studio, and that's got Mavericks on it. Uh, the 11-inch MacBook Air has Mavericks on it. The first machine I actually attempted to install Mavericks on was my old 24-inch iMac. And uh, that has got Mavericks on it, but sadly, that's not too well either. But there again, it is... I think it's seven years old now. 
I've got a white um, iMac 24 inch. That's still got Snow Leopard on it. So everything on there is working fine and dandy. I too have a 17 inch MacBook, but it wouldn't take Mavericks. Um, made the mistake of updating it to Lion. Should really have left it at Snow Leopard, shouldn't I? <laughs> I might reinstall that and take that back to Snow Leopard. And I've got uh, two Mac Minis. Uh, one's a server. Both of those have Snow Leopard. And um, somewhere there's Dad's old 17, which I think's also got Snow Leopard on it. So uh, mainly Mavericks or Snow Leopard. Now, Mavericks was recently updated to 10.9.2, and I don't know about your experience, but no two machines updated the same way for me. Well, I only updated one machine, so... Well, you made the mistake of doing it via the App Store as well, didn't you? Yeah, that was weird, actually, because it, it did some really weird things on Restart. I can't remember what it did, but I, I thought it had, like, overwritten everything. It, it looked as if it was going to set up a, a Mac from scratch. <laughs> That was because you went through the store. It went to that um, like dark linen-y type yeah. thing, didn't it? And then looked as though it was a new install. I didn't do it that way. I downloaded the combo update. I prefer doing that. But from you clicking update, I went away and I downloaded the combo updater, moved it from one drive to another, double-clicked it, ran the installer, and mine updated installed, and I was back in while you were still updating. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it took an awful lot longer through the app store as well. But for me, I did not get what you got. So I didn't get the grey background. It was a simple install, reboot, and I was done. You missed out there. Oh, I did. Yeah. I mean, I've got 25 minutes to sit there doing nothing, haven't I? Not. So that was one of them. But one of the other machines, so I updated three, I think. Each one was different. I saw what you saw on one of them, even though I used the combo updater. And the third one was doing all kinds of weird things. I was getting different messages. Very different messages. And considering they, they were all at the same starting point and they all ended up at the same place, 10.9.2, very different. And I don't know if you saw this, but I got a notification explosion. You get that? Don't remember. Don't remember seeing it. It treated it as it, like you're saying, as if it was a new install. So on my iPad or on my iPhone, I picked it up and it started saying every machine that had been updated, it said this machine is now using this email address, this machine is using this email address. And I, you can't click yes to all of them all at once. So it's tapping OK, 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 OK. And I must have had to tap it about 12 times on each device to get rid of it. It's just notifying you that they're using it, but... Not the best experience and not the same on every machine. But once we've got our operating system, the first essential, a launcher. So what about you? Um, well, I'll go on to what I use in a minute, but um, they have just launched a Mac program at work. Uh, Ooh. Giving, yes, bringing people into the 21st century. Um, although it doesn't have a launcher on it, so it just uses Spotlight. So you've got a, you've got a, the potential for a Mac at work, but it feels broken. Um, it's what what would you call it? A naked Mac. Oh, nice. Yes, a very bare basic Mac. So to get back to Launchbar or Alfred, yes. um, I've used Alfred for just over a year now, but I'm still using Launchbar on my older machines. Yeah, I use both. Both, you would. Yes, Launchbar didn't update immediately when um, a new app was installed. Um, I don't know if you found this. I don't think you did. Oh, I did. Did you? I did. Oh, you were supposed to be me. able to use Command and 1 to update the database. That's right. Update the index. But most of the time it didn't work, which meant I had to quit it and then rerun it. And you know that, that, that moment where you think, are you all there? You've just quit the launcher and then you try and use the <laughs> launcher shortcut key to launch yeah. the launcher. Yeah. Many, many times. 
I never even did that. I used to, um, what I used to do is install a new app, uh, press, what's it, command and space bar, type in the name of the app. This was when it was um, launch bar. The app wasn't there, so I'd come out of it and I'd actually go into the applications folder in Finder and run it from there. Too much for me. No, yeah. I, I like my launcher working. No, I switched to Alfred for other reasons, though, as well. Um, I like the workflows. I like the flexibility without having scripts all over the place. You can actually embed the script within the workflow. And I adored the Dropbox syncing of settings across machines. So for me, though, those those three features alone are why I use Alfred. But you use both? I use both. I use Alfred to launch apps. Um because it's quicker in terms of new app and it's there. But I also use LaunchBar for the clipboard history, which I find invaluable. Uh, I did use LaunchBar for the clipboard history. I mean, I've gone through every clipboard manager I think there is on a Mac. The one I really wanted to replicate the functionality of was one from Windows called Clipmate. And there is actually something called ClipBuddy, but... When it worked, it was great. When it didn't work, it was more than annoying. It just wouldn't run. So uh, I decided in the end, you know what, let's just keep it simple. And I did use the one in LaunchBar. Um, Alfred can do that too, so I, I just use the Alfred one. I like the fact I can search the clipboard and I can leave stuff on there for three months, which I do. Which I don't rely on it, but sometimes it's handy. So uh, I use the one, I just use Alfred. Um, don't even have LaunchBar installed anymore, I don't think, on my don't main you? machine. No, I do have it on the other machines, you know, the ones that I access remotely. Yeah. Um, really, rather than just, you know, try and configure Alfred and get it all updated, they're working on an old operating system, and, and I only really, on those machines, run apps. So I'm not concerned about workflows and stuff like that, so I just left them alone. So that's it for our launches then. Uh, now, something that drives me mad with Mavericks and meant that I dumped an app, is um, full quality or lossless MOVs not playing without converting. And when they do play, they jump during the playback. You've seen that? I have seen that, yes. Drive you mad? All the time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my use case is that as part of uh, when I'm creating videos, part of my video export process, I export from ScreenFlow or Camtasia as lossless. Uh, both those apps will create for you a compressed H.264 compatible video but they vary widely in size and I need some kind of I need to be able to predict how big a video is going to be so so I want um, a process where I can predict that and for that I use Handbrake so to keep it simple from ScreenFlow from Camtasia from anywhere else I just export as lossless and then pass that through to Handbrake and Handbrake will compress it. But when I've created that lossless file, um, and you've had this as well, I know, sometimes ScreenFlow, and ScreenFlow more than Camtasia, seems to go mad and it just kicks out a file that's either pure black or pure white, it's got no audio with it, or the audio stops halfway. So really what I want to do with that lossless file is just either quick look it or open it up in QuickTime and just drag the playhead along to make sure I've got pictures and sound. And in Mavericks, it just will not play without converting, which is fine if the video is sort of 30 seconds, maybe even up to five minutes. But some of my videos are full length recordings of sessions that I've done. And I know you do the same with that. They can be like 90 minutes. And as soon as I try and preview it, it can take five, 10 minutes 
to convert it. It's, it takes so long, it's not worth actually converting it. So I tend to just convert it with handbrake and then check it. But it's really affected my workflow. You get a standard icon on the file, but there's no thumbnail preview, which there used to be. So you just can't preview it. You can open it, as I say, in QuickTime, but then it goes into this converting thing. And it's already a QuickTime file, so what are you converting it into? And I thought, well, maybe it's some sort of limitation. But I inadvertently opened Adobe Bridge. And, um, well, I didn't inadvertently open Bridge, but I opened Bridge and I inadvertently looked at a folder full of videos. And there were thumbnail previews of these lossless files. And I thought, I wonder if these will preview. And they previewed in Bridge perfectly. Now, for me, Adobe broke Bridge in the Creative Cloud release, but that's a whole different story. But the fact that that Adobe Bridge can do it annoyed me even more. Yeah, but, you know, that's not fair to say that, you know, that's like not non-contiguous cell ranges. You can do it in Excel, but you can't do it in Google Drive. Well, no, you can, but let's well, not do it talking but, about Excel again. Yeah. No, I, I know they're two competing products from different companies, but this was something that worked until Mavericks. And I'm using an Apple codec and I've got, I think, everything installed from Apple that I would need to. So I've got Final Cut Pro. I've got um, QuickTime. I've got everything installed that I need. It's just it will not preview it if you're using the latest version of QuickTime, which is a backward step as far as I'm concerned. So I'd gone on about it so long that you found a useful link, didn't you? Yeah, there is. I found a useful link, which it was on the Apple discussions thread. Um, and I'll stick it in the show notes. Um, it is quite a long thing, which I'm not going but to it, read out. Well, it does explain it all, doesn't it? Yeah, it's um, it's quite long and technical and full of, of jargon. And uh, the simple answer is not to open the files in QuickTime 10 version 10.3 under Mavericks, is what it says. Right, so they're telling you not to use their own app. Yeah. Yeah, that works for me. So that's why I don't use QuickTime anymore. And um, what got me was that there was a person who replied to uh, the person who the, the one that we'll put a link to the show notes in was from John Walker. And um, the person replying said, thanks for the technical rundown. So I won't be using QuickTime 10 anymore for anything then. <laughs> I thought, yeah, that's about sums it up, doesn't it? And then says, um, I'll be sticking with Avid and Adobe products. Yeah, I'll be sticking with Avid and Adobe products as much as possible and we'll be keeping away from OS X when I can. Windows is quickly becoming my preferred <laughs> platform. I mean, steady on, there are limits. Uh, there are plenty of other alternatives too. I've gone for VLC, which I surprised myself with because I've had VLC for ages and didn't really use it much at all. It always felt, um, what's the word? Clunky? Yeah. Windows-ish. Although there was something started, about the interface. I've started using VLC now. Well, I found another one from the Mac App Store called Free Video Player, and that did play these lossless files, and it was really quick. Um, initially, I don't think this app had ads in it, but I'm sure the last time I opened a file in it, it did. Well, that was the end for me. I'd rather buy it than, than look at ads. But I did find that VLC would play it, and it seems fairly forgiving. There's also an option in VLC now to have a dark interface, which made the interface much more bearable. So something that we used to use QuickTime, but don't anymore. That was sad, I thought, considering it's from Apple. Yeah. I don't know why they would do that. I mean, that technical description of, of why, you know, codex this and when Apple do that and blah, 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 is all very well. But the fact is, as far as I'm concerned, you, you never used to think like that on a Mac. The thing was, it just worked. 
And especially when it was something that did used to work and it doesn't work any longer, that's going to bother me. So uh, I moved to VLC and I made that uh, the default handler for uh, all my media files. So you went to VLC as well. Uh, I've gone. To, I've gone to VLC when I remember to run it. I've still got it. Um, the the other one. The one oh no, I changed that because I, I preview the, videos yeah. all the time. Uh, one of the ones that I did look at and I am using, but not for that, is called Movist. That's the one I've got as the default. Now, I really, really like Movist. It's fantastic when you're working through a series of videos. So if I've put a course together and I've got sort of 20 videos and I want to go through them and make sure everything's okay, I can actually drag and drop them and it creates this like playlist on the go and it floats over on the right hand side of the screen so I can navigate between videos and make notes as I'm going. So that is really useful for that. But for the individual things, um, you just double click a video and open it, then I'm using VLC. But yeah, have a look at Movist as well. That's a very good one. But moving on to um, the love of my life. No, not you. I work. Yes, I'm still using Keynote. Uh, there was an update. I bemoaned what they did to it, didn't I? At length, I seem to recall. Yes. Well, um, one of the things I use all the time was exporting images. Uh, and they fixed that. I noticed, though, as I made my way painstakingly through the release notes, they didn't mention that they'd fixed it. Having said that, they didn't make mention of the fact that they'd broken it at any point either. So uh, they fixed the export and you can now customise the toolbar. Other than that, it's still missing some awesome features that were there that aren't there anymore. But I'm still using it. Uh, numbers, I've, I move my spreadsheets to Google Drive, which surprised you, didn't it? Yes. Because when it comes to spreadsheets, Excel's the answer to everything. It is. Hmm. Well, I still love the layout features of numbers, but I must admit it's doing weird things with pretty much everything else. Um, it does have the non-contiguous range selection, though, doesn't it? It does now. Yeah, Google Drive does now, so that's okay. Do you think the MacBiters realise the significance at MacBytes headquarters of a non-contiguous range? I doubt it. No, no, they're normal, you see, not like you. <laughs> Um, it means selecting cells that aren't next to one another. And the reason that you might do that is to format them rather than copy and paste. So that's why that's critical. And now it's got it. But Mike's still not impressed. Uh, and then there's pages. Well, I wasn't really a big user of pages anyway, because everything I write gets compiled out of Scrivener, really. Yeah, you uh, work magic with Scrivener, don't you? I love Scrivener. I've used it since it was an alpha. Um, it, create, it was really intended to create a first draft of something that you exported from Scrivener and you use the term compile and then you take it into pages or Word to edit. But I've found that if you spend enough time in working the compiler, so really customising the compile options, there's no need to take stuff into pages or Word. Um, it also supports comments and everything else you could conceivably need. Um, well, I write in Markdown and compiling your output is the key. So I have my source material in Scrivener and then I, I don't take that into other apps and finalise it in the other apps. I actually finalise it out of Scrivener by compiling. So out of Scrivener comes EPUBs, iBooks, uh, blog posts, HTML, course outlines, course notes, even full training materials. So we should probably talk about that in a future show. We should. Now, what about you? I work office depends on what i'm doing and if i'm sharing it with you oh um, yes 
Yeah, we've got spreadsheets that we've set up in Google Drive because we want to share them, and we found that the sharing's better on there than um, SkyDrive. Um, we've set up spreadsheets that are in numbers, and you know, uh, that we again we need to share that we've got on a shared drive here, and it's just historical that um, they're in numbers. Um, one of the things that numbers can do that Excel can't is is um, tables. Well, well, layouts. Ex layouts, yeah. I mean, Excel can do tables, but yeah, layouts is, is a, a better description. So it really depends on, on what we're doing. Uh, but of course, as everyone knows, Excel is my favourite. What do I use for um, a word processor? Um, word, I guess. Just used to it because I don't like pages. Have you ever really given pages a good go? No. <laughs> no, you're just, you're just going back to type, aren't you, with Word? I am. But you probably use it about twice a year. Yeah. For presentations, again, it depends what I'm doing. If it's something that needs to be compatible with work, then it's it's got to be PowerPoint. If it's something, say, I'm doing for a video, then um, I'll use Keynote because Keynote you can set at 1280 by 720, which is the, the size we set our videos at. PowerPoint actually has a widescreen template um, and depending on what projector you're using or depending on what well, you know, what screen you're delivering it on, it may or may not look right, I've found. And also, if I'm taking an existing presentation, um, which has been done using a standard template, and then you, th you, you apply a widescreen template to it, it just looks awful. I know because I tried it this week. Do you know, I, I find it very strange. I always have with PowerPoint. PowerPoint traditionally, although you, there's a print option, it prints out to A4. Um, traditionally, they've really veered away from giving you any indication of the size of a slide in pixels. They have. I mean, the, the, you know, it's now it's got 4, 3 and 16, 9 and I think 16, 10 on the drop down. But yeah, you're right. It tends to be in centimetres. Well, that's what gave me a, a massive problem with it, because although you think, well, it's just a blank canvas, just sling your stuff on it. You know, when you're exporting from vector graphics packages and it, it can't read one of the files, you're, you're having to export at a, at a certain size. And it really makes a massive difference to the quality of the final slide. You know, what you export it at, there's no point exporting it much bigger because then your file size balloons and everything slows down. But to me, it was very important that I knew the pixel size. And Keynote always did tell you the pixel size. PowerPoint traditionally didn't. I found it very difficult to find out what the pixel size was. You had to, like you say, uh, get the millimetre size and do sort of conversions on it to try and work it out. I've noticed with the new Keynote that the 169 uh, slides, instead of being 1280 by 720, which I'm sure they were, are now uh, 1920 by 1080. 1080. Which you think, well, they're the right ratio. They are. But again, any assets that you've created that work at 1280 by 720 look lost on the slide. So although it's the correct ratio, it's very it's a very different experience when you sit down with all your assets and you drag them onto the slide and everything, there's, there's masses of white space. So you think to yourself, oh, well, that'll have to be bigger and I'll make that bigger there. It really slows me down. So I... I had a think about it and I thought well obviously Apple are going that way is now the time to move and I looked at all the assets I had and I thought no it's not because projector wise if I take that presentation out on the road like you're saying there's no projector that's going to handle that nicely it will degrade nicely maybe 
But that's not really the point, because now I've got a file that's much, much bigger than I need in terms of file size. So uh, I've made my own template at 1280 by 720. And what I did for PowerPoint, because on the odd occasion I have to use PowerPoint, I want to know that the work I do in PowerPoint can be transferred back to Keynote. I made a blank presentation in Keynote, 1280 by 720, saved it out as a PowerPoint file and then converted that to a template in PowerPoint so they now match. But I find it very strange that that isn't the default. You know, the default isn't to let you know what size it is, etc. Because it, it does have an impact even when you're doing stuff for work. You could have an image which looks fine at 1280 by 720 and then you put it on a different size slide and it's all pixelated and you've got to resize the text. It's just a time waster, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, I believe you're warming to Microsoft. Yeah, it's a dirty room, I doubt. <laughs> yes, I must admit. Very, very, very happy this week. OneNote for Mac. There are Mac users out there who haven't got a clue what OneNote is, you know. Probably. Uh, one there are note, Windows users out there that haven't either. True, but it has been a while. Uh, it's been around a while now, you know. True. It was came out. I'm sure it was 2002, because its first release was with Office 2003, and it's a Note app really. Um, it is free for Mac, so always worth having a look when it's free. When it came out initially, um, it was in a like a free beta stage, which is quite unusual if you think back. You know what, 12 years ago? Unusual to find something in free beta from Microsoft. But when they finally released it, it was part of the office suite. And it was really Bill Gates' baby. I think he got that right. Do you remember me being so excited about it? Yes. It was because people were taking notes in Word, something that I must admit, I've never, never thought was a good idea. I remember working with with a guy years ago. And um, this was in the 90s. And he sat there with a PC, you know, old grey box style PC. And he sat there and said, just a minute, making some notes. And I thought, well, fine, I've got a pen and a pad, away you go. And he said, just a minute. And he booted up the machine and he said, hang on a minute. And he got word up, just a minute, just a minute. Right, away you go. And I thought, you're kidding. You're not going to sit there and type these notes into Word. And he did. I didn't think Word was the right app for that. To me, you'd end up with a Word document and you'd be scrolling up and down and there's, there's, it's not tactile. Notes, notes to me have to live and breathe. I want to put images in, I want to draw the whole bit, you know, highlight stuff. And I don't think Word, Word didn't work like that for me, I'm afraid. Um, and obviously it didn't work for Bill Gates either. That was why he, he had a very hands-on approach with OneNote. Um, so people, it's, it's for... It's for taking notes. Uh, it actually started life prior to Evernote, although there was an Evernote for, for Windows back then. Do you remember it? No. It was really weird. You remember that time when interface, well, UI wasn't as big as it is now, and apps had very customised interfaces that looked very Fisher-Price-ish. Mm. It had one of those. And I remember having a look at it and thinking, oh, no. Um, it was too childlike, the interface. It, it looked like you needed a crayon to work it. So I, I looked at OneNote, I looked at Evernote, and I went with OneNote. OneNote did come out for the iPhone and the iPad and the Android a few months ago. Uh, obviously, there's a version for Surface, and there has been a web version which you access via OneDrive, which was formerly SkyDrive. And obviously, there is still a Windows version. I think it's very, very intelligent of them to bring it to the Mac and even more so for free. And now the Windows version is free as well. So 
Mark's a bit of a change in tactic by Microsoft um, and an inducement maybe to be able to change platforms down the line. I think their approach so far has been we're not going to put our software on somebody else's hardware, especially when that somebody else's hardware is from Apple. But I think that's the wrong move for them. So I think this is a very clever, shrewd move. I've heard a lot of people saying, um, why, why do I bother? I don't need another Notes app. But you're the king of the Notes apps. I'm king. Of, I, I was the king of the Notes apps. I, I pretty much ditched them all for Evernote. Ditched the mistresses and married Evernote, have you? Yeah, that's mm. the one. <laughs> <laughs> if um, you want to put it like that. <laughs> so many people have said, I use Evernote, so why do I need OneNote? Why does it have to be an either-or? Because it doesn't need to be an either-or for me. It's software, not a marriage. And I'll use whatever works for the job at hand. So um, that I can see, uh, when I used OneNote, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, it was one of maybe two or three apps when I moved to the Mac that I thought, I'm going to miss this. And um, I was aware for about 18 months that I would be leaving my PC behind and I gradually weaned myself off it. Uh, but it was a good two years before I started using Evernote. Then I took a bit of a break from Evernote and then went back to it. So I, I use Evernote a lot, but I can see a use for OneNote because to me they're very, very different. But I think we're going to have to do more on that in a future show as well, aren't we? Yes. Otherwise we'll never get finished. No. So, uh, yes, my Office 365 subscription renewed and um, I was happy to do so. The big, big changes with Office.com. Have you tried that yet? No. Why is it? Or when I say, have you tried that yet? No, no. It's like a record. What time to um, it's, it's great. Uh, big improvements and a new version of Office on the way this year. They've uh, migrated SkyDrive to OneDrive. I think that's a great service. I have never had not even one sync fail with it. You had a good experience? What, with OneDrive? SkyDrive, OneDrive. SkyDrive, yeah. Um, no problems at all with it. Mm. I think it's uh, good value for complete compatibility with the Microsoft-loving world we live in. Uh, I, I, as I say, I don't primarily use PowerPoint or Word, but you have to have it there, don't you? Because people will insist on using it. I would say it could be better on the iPhone, and uh, the iPad version is still just a tantalising glimpse into the future, although they are saying sooner rather than later, so maybe even before the end of the month. I think it is coming soon, and I think this uh, this change that we've seen is, has come because there have been huge team changes at Microsoft. Many that are in charge of departments there now have uh, come from cloud service departments, so I can see that they're, they're really going to push that way. And I, I for one, am glad. I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm looking forward to giving OneNote a real run for its money. So uh, we all we use all three then, really. All three. iWork. Oh. Google Drive. You know what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Um, horses for courses. Exactly. Now that, of course, brings converting between formats into play. Shouldn't be difficult, given what Scrivener can do, but sadly remains an agonising process. Converting a simple pages file to Word last week and three attempts gave me three different results. The worst of which, and, and you laughed at me, uh, the third one managed to redact all the text. Oh, yes, I remember that. Yeah, I was just trying to finesse the thing slightly and um, the third one popped out and I thought, oh, and there were just black lines where the text was. If you highlighted it, then it reversed it and you could read it. But honestly, what's going on? I did find an app called iWork Converter, which promises to convert all pages, numbers and keynote files to Word, Excel and PowerPoint, as well as PDF. Yeah, 
like to see that one work. Well, at $29, it's a bit steep for the few times that I need to do it, but it might work given what I discovered about the conversion process as I struggled to get it to do what I wanted. Apparently, the conversion is handled by Apple converters, so something we can blame them for. Uh, I doubt they care much about converting away from their own file formats, but I have managed to create exactly the perfect output I want, but I did that via Scrivener. Um, and that was in the end and after much trial and error. I think we should review that app. Or, well, more accurately, you should. I'm, I'm sensing I don't think I've got the patience for it. Master of the understatement. Yeah, the iWork converter, I think, you know, there's too many idiosyncrasies. It might work, might not. But I must admit, I was sceptical about uh, a PDF to Excel converter. And uh, that worked uh, pretty well, actually. I created a video on that recently and that did work very well. So we'll see. Was that the online thing or was it an app you installed? Both. There's an online version and there's also an app. And I forgot what the name of it was, but I'll put it in the show notes. So, Office Suites dealt with. Uh, now onto a couple of useful apps that I used. I think I forced you to use them. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> There's this odd thing of it being a democracy. Uh, <laughs> one was called Activate and the other was called Snap. Do you remember those? I remember them. They just sat there and did some job. Yeah, every time you needed to use them, you said, what's the shortcut keys that I'd configured? Right, what both of them did, did the same job in a slightly different way. But you could create global shortcuts to run and more importantly, hide applications. So the running of applications, you, know, you think, well, you just use Alfred. But if an application was already there, I would want to hide the application. So really, I was creating toggles for applications. Now, why would I do that? Why not just minimise it? Why not just hide it? Um, the thing for me was, if I hid it, uh, I'd want to go back into that app and preferably seamlessly. And I'm thinking specifically keynote in webinars and live sessions. There is nothing worse. Have you sat through any webinars this week where people have used slide sort of you so they can see their screen? Uh, yes, I have. And uh, I'll also admit something. I did it myself the other week. What? There was a reason. There was a reason. Go on. I was, I was delivering um, a, a, a presentation, which was for a training course, to the rest of my colleagues. And it ha actually had the speaker's notes on screen. So I actually wanted them to see the speaker's notes because it was a train the trainer. It wasn't a presentation. So that's my excuse. I'll let you off that, though. Thank you. Yeah, I like to go into Keynote, come out of Keynote seamlessly and go back into it. Obviously, I can hide it easily. But to get back into it, I'd need to use my Alfred shortcut and then start typing, you know, the word, so Keynote, and your audience can see it. So if there is this sort of magic toggle key, you can come out of it and go back into it completely seamlessly. Uh, both the apps, both of them worked, but I had problems with them. Um, one of them insisted on putting an icon in the toolbar. Oh, but and to not put anything in the menu bar. Exactly. So it, it wouldn't disappear. Um, obviously, I've got Bartender now, but I think at the time I retired that one just because of that one flaw and I moved on to the next one. The second one, which was uh, Snap, it flashed a graphic on the screen uh, and it did that to show which app was activating. Now, it was there for a fraction of a second, but that annoyed me as well. I wanted it completely um, 
transparent. I didn't want either of those. So uh, I sat down and I thought about it and thought, can I get rid of any of these apps? Because the thing is, they're also running all the time as well. And uh, you can. And uh, I created toggles for all my important apps. And I did them twice. I did it in Keyboard Maestro, which I absolutely adore. Keyboard Maestro is amazing. Uh, and it can also be done in Alfred if you've got the power pack. And both of those have the huge benefit that both of them synchronise with Dropbox. So you set it up on one machine. It's automatically there on another when you synchronise. And neither of them give any indication at all of what you're doing. So it's completely transparent. So love both of those. Um, I can't even remember which one I left activated at the moment. I think they're in Alfred, but don't quote me because I created them in both and then left them there in case there was a circumstance where I'm doing it on a machine that doesn't have one or other of them installed. Obviously, I don't leave them both activated at the same time, but both those completely awesome. So I retired Activate and Snap, but you may have a use for Activate or Snap and both of them are now free. So if you want to run and hide applications and you don't want the complexity of um, Keyboard Maestro and Alfred, then Activate and Snap both do it, I would say, easy easier than that and they're both free yeah i never actually got to grips with keyboard maestro i just leave all that stuff to you well you've got it installed and you have got some stuff configured you just don't know what probably yeah, probably so it just works <laughs> uh, one it. of the things i do with um one or other of them is like paste as plain text but I, I suppose for some people keyboard maestro is a solution looking for a problem but when you've got a problem it works brilliantly uh, one of the things that annoys me in mavericks is you used to be in the finder when you had a file selected you used to be able to press escape to deselect that you probably don't use that do you no 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 but you can you could press escape and it deselected the current file and i was pressing escape and it wasn't doing that it doesn't do it anymore again why nobody's going to inadvertently hit the escape key and freak out because it deselects the file so if it worked before why not just leave it alone i'm ranting again so uh, what i did in keyboard maestro was say when the finder's got the focus if you press the escape key then deselect and it does so i fixed that with it um do you remember in opera on windows there was a shortcut key i think it was command and uh, no it'll be control and, and d what do you used to be able to do you're elsewhere in your email or wherever and you've copied a URL and you go to your browser and what do you do? You click on the um, URL bar, you paste and then you get the keyboard and say go or you click the go button. There used to be the shortcut key that was paste and go. So it focused the URL bar, pasted in and went all in one shortcut key. Oh. So I've recreated that and it works across all my browsers. So or I've got wash a and go as I call it. Yes, a paste <laughs> and go in uh, Keyboard Maestro. Another one was, um, have you noticed most browsers, you can copy the URL of the current page, but you've either got to go and select it or it's got a different shortcut key in every browser. And I just wanted to have a single shortcut key that copied the URL of the current page. So again, I created that in Keyboard Maestro and I attached it to all the browsers. So... Um, it's just one shortcut key and it's the same in all the browsers, which saves so much time. Another one was um, use copy and paste style. Well, copy style and paste style in stuff like Word. Yeah. Um, I've noticed that that ha usually has a slightly different shortcut key in different apps as well. So I've made that global across there. And uh, one of the other things I did was some sublime text programming with it. And um, that was amazing. 
I, I doubted it could do it and it did. So um, I was able to lose some extensions from Sublime as well as shortcut keys and, and all sorts of other stuff. And the whole lot synchronizes via Dropbox. So uh, probably more complicated than most people need. But if something breaks, don't just accept it. Have a look at an app like Keyboard Maestro and, and attempt to fix it. I don't think I've come across anything I've not been able to fix with it. Put it like that. And it's working well for you, even though you don't know it. Yes. But you see, if I inadvertently shut it down on you, you'd say to me, my shortcut key isn't working. You wouldn't have a clue why. (laughs) I would. (laughs) So it's working well for you as well. You just don't know it. So moving on, what else don't we use anymore? Oh, you're going to love these two. Do you remember Audial Hub and Visual Hub? I remember them. Visual Hub was one of the first apps to be essential on a Mac for me. Um, It died a while back. But nothing perfect came out to replace it. You can still download it because there was one extra update after its demise. Do you remember Carrie pointing you in the direction of that site to download it when we first followed each other on Twitter? I'm sure that's the first tweet I remember from Carrie. Can't say I do. Oh, pathetic. I'm sure it was. 15,000 tweets later. Sorry, Carrie, but I don't remember that one. (laughs) Well, I do. (laughs) Typical can't get the staff. I know the feeling. Uh, yeah, they, he open sourced it. So I'm really surprised there hasn't been something that's come along that's just, you know, Visual Hub, awesome, even better. Um, in the end, I had to let go because there was too much hacking to try and get it to work. And I was worried down the line, it just wouldn't work at all. So uh, I use Handbrake now. And uh, after much testing and trial and error, I've managed to get the same features. But you had a really weird request, didn't you, over Christmas? Over Christmas? Well, after Christmas, whenever. Yeah, it was recently. It was only a couple of weeks ago, mind you. That was after Christmas. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to gloss over the two-month gap. Get on with it. Okay. They'll never notice. Yes, I wanted to convert uh, something into an FLV. Good grief, the last man on the planet that wants an FLV. Ah, there was a reason. Um, I created something as an MP4 for work and um, it wouldn't run, not surprisingly, in IE7. There's a surprise. So um, I thought, oh, well, if I convert it into a flash file, that should be okay. At which point you came to a grinding halt because handbrake, I couldn't find a way to make an FLV. Yeah, and I couldn't even remember Visual Hub. Well, I re- I said to you, what was that app called? Criminal. Um, I was remembering back to uh, probably about two thousand and four, when uh, I was working with a client, and uh, they brought a they bought a brand new machine, which cost about three thousand, maybe three and a half, to do some video editing with, and the video editing was like thirty second clips, and they paid three and a half for this machine. And um, another, I think it was around six to eight hundred for something called Sorensen Squeeze. Remember that? I remember that. Oh, I have a soft spot for that. Sorensen Squeeze did one job and did it well. It took a video file and it converted it to an FLV. But oh, it was expensive. Um, so, so when you said you had the need to do that, I assumed Handbrake would be able to do it, but it didn't. But we did find something that did, which was VidConvert from Reggie Ashworth. Yeah, um, that was a that was a good app. That was a good find. I would love to use it more, but I, I cannot, for the life of me, get it to make a file at the quality and file size I can with Handbrake. I think I need to spend some more time with it. But for FLV, I, I was amazed when I thought of the price of Sorensen Squeeze and this thing just did it and it did it in a matter of seconds. It was amazing. Yeah, good find that. 
There was another one that I looked at a while back. I think we even mentioned it on MacBytes. Do you remember Adapter? No, I don't. I think it was either in beta or they just released version one and it looked promising as a replacement for Visual Hub. They've literally just released version two, so it might be worth another look, but I haven't actually had a chance to have a look at it yet. I think it's free. Um, it's from Macroplant, so uh, something to have a look at there as well, Adapter, because that's got a nice interface to it. But do be careful with all these compression apps. They don't all compress to the same quality at all, and certainly not the same file size. So you do have to play around with them a bit, longer than I, I'd actually like to, to be honest. And then there was Audial Hub, which did exactly the same job, but for audio. And I used it for MacBytes for a long time. In fact, longer than Visual Hub, because I found it was more difficult to replace. You think converting an audio file, so we have an M4A that we convert to MP3, you think it'd be simple. Um, but no, I found that much more difficult to replace. I did toy with iTunes. Oh boy, that was a bad idea. I know iTunes can convert, but it's so fiddly. There's just one setting. Have you ever done it? Uh, I think I have. Um, I think I converted to MP3 or from MP3. You've got to go in, you've got to set the settings, but then that's it. So you've reset the settings. When you've done it, you've got to remember to go back in and then reset them to whatever you had them before. So there's just no concept of saved settings. Um, that was when I found and settled on the fabulous Pro Audio Converter, which I've been using for a while. And then all of a sudden it threw its toys out of the pram. It does a similar job to Audio Hub. I would say it did it better because it does parallel processing with multiple audio files. I bought the Mac App Store version and um, it became a sandboxing nightmare. I put the files in that I needed to convert. It went through the conversion process and then at the last minute it said, where do you want to save these files? The idea is you give it a folder on your system and that's the point if you've not saved there before or you've not saved to the root of that drive it will ask you for permission to write there and it did and I said yes that's fine and then it didn't and it failed so although it had done the conversion and sometimes depending on the length that had taken quite a while it just wouldn't save the files I tried everything I uninstalled I nuked it I reinstalled it was just not having it it worked for me perfectly it would, wouldn't it? Mm. No, the constant requesting permissions, all sorts. Horrible, horrible, horrible. So I was convinced that it just wasn't working. So I spent Christmas Day testing it. And um, in the end, uh, there's nothing wrong with the app itself. It was just this sandboxing issue. In the end, I decided, you know what? I'm just going to buy the, the non-App Store version and uh, use that. So I did. We know how to live at Christmas, don't we? <laughs> we do. Well, Christmas Eve was spent with MacBytes. Oh, it was a busy time at Christmas. So um, I can highly recommend it, but unless you've got a real, real, real reason to get it from the App Store, I think I'd get that one direct. It is an awesome piece of kit. Just something that, you know, like you might use it once or twice a year, but it works perfectly. And if you're doing something like we do with audio work constantly, um, it, you, it will say it will pay for itself in minutes trust me it is a really good app that and it does have saved settings so you just toggle on and off exactly what you want and it saves the lot so uh, happy to recommend that one i think it's only about is it nine dollars ten dollars six pounds rings a bell but i don't know why but it is a very good app and i'll put a link in the show notes but that is it for this episode of mac bites that's not it for this topic though we'll be carrying on with our roundup of old and new next time 
And when is next time I hear you ask? Well, if you're subscribed to the newsletter, you'll already have the answer to that. Spoiler alert. It's not next week. No, it's not. And if you're not subscribed, then sign up right now at macbytes.co.uk and get first access to the, all the behind-the-scenes stuff from MacBytes headquarters. And as ever, we would love to hear from you, so please send your questions, comments and queries by email to macbytesuk at gmail.com. You can use the contact form on the website or send us an audio file. And how about leaving a comment on the show notes at macbytes.co.uk. Don't forget to keep sending in your Mac Love Bytes. You can leave a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, Facebook and circle us on Google+. You can follow MacBytes on Twitter at twitter.com slash MacBytes. You can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash MacBytes series. So until next time, this has been Elaine and Mike bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye. Goodbye and see you next time. And that amazing news for you lovely MacBiters. I can exclusively reveal that the next show will be released tomorrow. tomorrow.